trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again and again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Dana Kuhnlein and Allison Beer McKenzie. They are Ohio mask maker sheroes. When COVID-19 hit Ohio in March, I followed Dana's posts about making masks for frontline workers. She shared info and links from Sew Masks for Cincy, patterns for seamstresses to make masks that work for workers. Dana Kuhnlein began sewing as a young child. Her quilts have won numerous prizes, including a blue ribbon for People's Choice at the Ohio State Fair. She is also busy as an environmental advocate and has worked as a nonprofit consultant for over a decade. She enjoyed sewing as an escape from this frequent, frequently stressful work. She never thought her fun sewing hobby would be used to save lives. Since March, she has sewn over 600 masks for adults and is currently working to sew as many more for children as school starts up again. She is also planning a scrap quilt from all her leftover scraps from mask making. Allison is an architect at SHP in Cincinnati by day and the director of sewing for Sew Masks, Sew Masks for Cincy on evenings and weekends. Allison is responsible for working with the mask users to develop the patterns for sewists and answering questions about sewing from volunteers. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Allison has completed roughly 1,000 masks for friends, family, and donation. She saw the need and rose to the challenge. Welcome, Dana and Allison. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. So in March, everyone was scared. We were all terrified and no one could find masks or hand sanitizer. And we scoured the internet for ideas, for patterns, for recipes. I even made a mask out of a um, bananagram game. Remember those? <laughs> and I got a lot of laughs from, but, but I was seriously gonna use it because yeah. there were no masks. So tell me, what propelled you to make your first mask? Dana, let's start with you. Sure. Um, I was resistant at first because I think I was kind of frustrated that I needed to anyway, on principle. And I wasn't sure, you know, the science was so shaky. I was really unsure. So I waited a few weeks and I kind of saw more and more uh, people in my sewing circle making them. And then I just realized I had to, and I saw so many people who were scared in their lives who had high risk. And I realized like, we don't know the science, but that doesn't mean we can't try, you know, what am I doing? So I just, um, yeah, I just started sewing. <laughs> what did, did you use a pattern that you had found online or did you just make up one or what did you do? No, I used a pattern I found online. I think I started with the craft passion pattern and then I did quickly switch to the sew masks for Cincy pattern because I saw that they had been shopping that with the local hospitals. So I knew it would be as effective as possible. I had a lot of concern about 
putting time into something that no one would wear or that wouldn't be comfortable or wouldn't be effective. So I really wanted to go with one that was tried and true and thoroughly tested. So I quickly uh, glommed onto that pleated mask pattern because um, it got really high praise for being the most um, comfortable and effective masks from a really wide variety of people that I made it for. So I made probably 600 of those. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Allison? What got you started? Yeah, I, I remember seeing a post about Deaconess Hospital in Indiana requesting that local sewists make masks. And I guess my first thought was really this is this is where we are right now that that they're they're having to request people make fabric masks. But soon after that, you know, I, I started searching Facebook and, and Twitter really to see if there were local uh, groups in, in the Cincinnati area that were doing a similar thing because it seemed like there was a good response to that Indiana request. I wanted to know if there was a need locally. Um, and within you know, a few hours of doing that, I, I came across So Mask for Cincy, which had literally been formed like eight hours prior. Um, so I, I saw that a group was forming, that they had you know, uh, hundreds of members already at that point, only six hours into it. So it was pretty clear that, that there was a need. And what was really attractive to me was that they were working with the local hospitals, um, starting with TriHealth, to, to really understand what their needs were. Because like Dana, I didn't want to make stuff that wasn't going to be helpful and wasn't going to be effective. So um, really identifying the need and then, then diving into to, uh, trying to address it. Were you, are you also, were you a seamstress before this? Or uh, what do you yeah. call yourself? A, a, a sewist? Sewists is the term that most of the people in the group prefer. Um, I, I know there are different different terms, but yeah, I, I'm a quilt maker as well. Um, I sewed my own bridesmaids dresses. I've I've been sewing since I was very little, so um, it was it was a great way to put some of those skills to work. Definitely, because um, even you know folks like me who didn't know how don't know how to sew. There were there were patterns for people just to put things together. But there was also a lot of like unsurety about the, the you know the I ninety five masks and the and just the cloth masks. So we were and we're also scared to take masks or get masks because it was would prevent the front run, front line workers from having them. So um, as you evolved, you got involved. Both of you got involved with um, so so masks for Cincy. Can you tell me a little bit about um, the person that? started it so quickly and so efficiently? Yeah, so so Esther Kang is um, a, a local, um, she's actually trained as an opera singer and she um, is a local teacher. She teaches um, music to, to, to children and she just, she I think saw a very similar post to, I, to what I did and, and you know, we need fabric masks and she actually doesn't sew herself, um, which is interesting, but she has great organizing skills and she had contacts at hospitals. So she, her initial goal was to just get a, a small group of friends together, you know, hopefully they could make a couple dozen masks to uh, address the local need. And lo and behold, um, I think the first weekend that So Masked for Cincy was in existence as a Facebook group, we surpassed 5,000 members in this area. So it, it grew much more rapidly than I think Esther um, realized it would. Uh, and while there was a small group of people from that, that hour one, um, as I mentioned, I, I joined up a few hours later and 
and realized that I, I had some talents as far as being able to answer sewing questions, creating tutorials, that sort of thing to help. So we have a really strong little group of people with, with varied skill sets. Um, I think of our leadership team, only two or three of us really sew, um, but we all have other skills that we, we bring to the effort. Excellent. Excellent. Dana, in your work, did you get um, fabric? Um, did you use your own fabric or did you, was it, a, was it an evolution of the kind of fabric that worked the best for you? Yeah. So, um, I, um, I was very hoarding of my fabric. I felt like as an artist, it felt personally hurt, hurt, hurtful for me to use my artistic medium to make masks with. And I wasn't the only one that felt this way. I ran into a lot of so, so is online who felt like they were being they, it was like giving away too much of themselves. So I did use some of my own fabric, but I actually really quickly moved to sheets and being a quilter and with a lot of experience with different fa fabric substrates. One thing I've known for a long time is that um, sheets are a denser cotton. And like if you hand quilt, it's hard to hand sew them because it hurts your hand to push the needle through because the fabric's really dense. So I immediately was like, well, sheets. I mean, if I can't get a needle through it, then I maybe less air will go through. I mean, just completely instinctive. And then later as the studies were coming out, you would see, oh, if you hold it up to the light and less light shines through, then that means it's a denser weave. And that's something that as a sewist, I've known for 20 years. So, um, so, that, so I just use those fat fiber instincts to go to sheets. And the other reason is because they're cheap. And I went onto my local Facebook group for our neighborhood and I asked for people to donate lightly used 100% cotton high thread count sheets and really quickly got um, enough to make hundreds of masks with I just dropped on my porch constantly my husband would be like there's another bag on the porch um, <laughs> every couple hours it seemed like so I had too many and I ended up giving some to a homeless shelter but um, <laughs> uh, I so and I like those two because I could they were neutral so a lot of folks I felt like wanted a gray or a beige or a white mask and not these crazy patterns. And, um, and then I could really quickly uh, tear, I tear the sheet into the square mask shape so I could get a hundred masks cut in like 20 minutes just from cutting up the sheet. So it was just a really efficient way for me to work. And then it felt much more both like eco-friendly um, because it was something that people like there was a person who owned an Airbnb and she gave me all of her old sheets from when she got rid of the Airbnb. So that felt really like they were not that heavily used. And I just felt really good about those sheets as, as, as a substance for masks. As I'm switching into kid masks, I am using store-bought fabric because I want to have the cute patterns that appeal to the children, but I, adults don't want Black Panther. So maybe. Excellent. How about yeah. you, Allison? How about the fabrics that you found work and, yeah. and personally, and then also for your group? So I, I have enough fabric to last me for, for decades, no matter what I'm doing. So I've actually found some enjoyment with um, pulling out some leftover fabric from quilts that I've made or, you know, some fabric that I, I bought with no, no specific purpose in mind and, and doing some, some bright and cheerful ones, especially for kid masks, because I, I do also like to make sure that kid masks are something that they, they will maybe want to wear. So I think that's important. But I, I totally agree that sheets are, are 
are excellent. Um, and in fact, uh, when we do kits for Sew Mask for Scentsy, what we've arrived at as our ideal, um, so if we're providing the materials to people, we want them to use the ideal um, materials, is using basically a plain white sheet, a high third count sheet as the, the lining, and then using something that's maybe a little more fun or decorative or, or something um, on the outside for the, the outside piece. Um, so we kind of are able to do that and, and have really also been very fortunate to get lots of donations from partners. Um, we've got fabric donated from Joann's and Michael's. Um, we have a partnership with Standard Textile for the sheet components of things to, to go into the lining. So yeah, the, the high thread count, 100% cotton really is showing to be the most effective when it comes to um, preventing the, the spread of droplets for coronavirus. So, so that's what we're encouraging as well. Excellent. I'm going to do a short ID. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. I'm talking with Allison McKenzie and Dana Kuhnline, both mask makers um, for frontline workers here in Ohio. Um, I would like you to um, give our listeners your website um, so that folks want to, if they want to get more information, they can access that. Sure. The, the website is www.so masks the the number four and then cincy c-i-n-c-y dot org so so masks for cincy dot org we also have um a facebook group and just a facebook page as well as instagram so you can find us on all of those those channels as well how about you dana do you do you have a website that you go to for information I did it so masks for Sensi. I've I've really appreciated all the work they've put into that website, and that's the one I always direct people to. It's a great resource, and you know it's going to be up to date with all the most the best patterns and all the most recent forms. If you want to get masks for your organization, that's the place to go to. Okay, um, so tell us a little bit about where we are right now. Um, we've had a little bit of a lull, and now the COVID. Um, cases are rising again in Ohio. Plus, mothers and families are concerned because school is to be opened, and some schools are opening in Ohio. Most schools are to be opened, but um, everybody's concerned about the health of their kids. Tell us a little bit about where we are um, as far as like supply from the industry, but also need from homemade masks. Why don't we start with you, Allison, on this one? Sure. Um, at the very beginning of kind of the effort for So Mass for Cincy, we had hospitals that were in urgent need. They were reusing all of their N95 respirators. They needed covers to extend the lives of those. If they had um, patients or any visitors, they needed to have um, masks to provide for them. And there simply wasn't enough in the disposable kind that they were, were typically using. We saw that get quite a bit better in Ohio, um, especially with uh, Battelle creating a solution for sanitizing N95s. That was a, a nice game changer for, for things. So, you know, very early in the pandemic, we were focused mostly on hospitals, nursing homes, police departments, those kind of things, those frontline workers that really needed access to the resources immediately. Um, 
a little bit later in, in the pandemic, we started seeing needs shift to more everyday essential workers, grocery store employees, uh, you know, people delivering food, that sort of thing. Um, that, that shift really started to occur as hospitals started getting more of that disposable PPE. We were able to provide more to, to that kind of second tier of, of new frontline worker, if you will. And then really in the last, I would say, month, we have uh, given a concerted effort to uh, teachers and students. So that is definitely a, a huge concern. Um, in fact, our, our sewing kits that we provide for people, all of them over the past um, few weeks have been uh, for either kids going back to school or teachers going back to school. So that has been a real effort. Um, sort of in the midst of that, we had all of the protests happening and uh, that wasn't necessarily in, in alignment with So Mass Person C and their, their mission statement, but I know uh, myself and others were, were on the side sort of uh, frantically sewing uh, nondescript masks for protesters because, you know, if people are going to gather, we, we want them to be as safe as possible. So that, that's kind of a, an interesting sidetrack that happened kind of in the middle of things. Um, fortunately, we still seem to be in good shape with PPE for hospitals here, but you're certainly starting to hear reports out of Texas, out of Florida about shortages again. So um, unfortunately, I think that might be coming. How about you, um, Dana? I know that um, you're a mom, and um, so are you focusing on kids' uh, masks right now, or are you um, taking a breather? What's going on for you? I took a breather. Um, initially, I saw that there were thousands of masks being made through So Masks for Cincy for hospitals, and so I put out an inquiry into my local Facebook group for my neighborhood. And I just said, who's seeing needs? And I was kind of curious what would come out. And what came out for me was a lot of small businesses and then also homeless shelters as well as food pantries. So the majority of the masks that I did didn't actually go to medical workers, but to those um, people working in gas stations and grocery stores and uh, food pantries. And so that everyone who got a bag of food in the food pantry would get a mask. Um, there's also this really cool, it's a free um, laundromat. And so that serves a low-income population, and they took, they took a lot of masks from me so that folks who went in to use that service would go home with the mask. So that has been really compelling to me, especially since you see the low-income and also primarily people of color populations are at higher risk for COVID-19, and then you think they're probably also the people that have the least amount of money. I mean, I know you can get a mask for 2 to $5 now, but that's not nothing if you're counting all your pennies and maybe you've lost your job. So um, I did sell some masks to make up for costs and I know I'm gonna have to probably replace like my sewing machine and my iron. Um, so I'm sure Allison can relate. I already bought a new sewing machine in the midst of the pandemic, so, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, but the majority, I and I would say anybody who's lost their job or feels uncertain in any way about their income, just come get one off the porch for free. So, and then I had, um, Talking about my porch, people would leave cookies or um, like a ref restaurant gift cards or I mean just little things for our family like a potted plant. It was just so touching to be a part of the community. So it's really a way I really felt like I got a lot back so much back from making these. But, so certainly to your question right now. So I did take a break because it just was feeling very emotionally wearing and then I don't know how you're keeping it up Allison because it just it's hard to manage a family when all of your free time you're sewing. And um, my, my daughter asked 
for Mother's Day if I would not sew masks for one. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so she's five, and they know how to get at your heart, right? So I around Mother's Day that I started to slow down. Um, and now with school starting back up, I'm organizing with some parents at my daughter's school, and we're going to try and get um, at least like three masks for every preschool to kindergarten. Wow. Because I just know they're going to be tearing through them and losing them and spilling stuff on them. So I, I don't know how it's going to look, but I do want to be prepared with a really big stockpile. Uh, her school's primarily low income, so I want to be respectful that those families might not have the resources to bring those. So if I have the resources, I'm really excited to be able to get those out into the school. So. Yeah, I've definitely had highs and lows um, of mass production. Um, I, I don't have any children, so I, I may have a little more free time than, than most. I, I do have a husband that, that every once in a while asks me, are you still sewing those? <laughs> um, but I, I've also been very fortunate because he's, he's actually the webmaster behind Sew Mass for Cincy. So he's, he's involved. It's a family effort. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm starting a quilt next week because I, I desperately need to sew something other than just masks. I'll probably do masks too, but um, I need a creative outlet other than, than masks. Yeah, let's segue into that. I'm an artist activist as well. I come from the theater background and um, I was going to do a show this summer and it was canceled because of COVID, but um, I need my artistic outlets and both of you are quilt makers, which is very, a cool heritage history of um, art. So just let's for a minute, just tell us what you're working on and what, how it kind of is rejuvenating you. Go ahead, Allison. Sure. Um, like I mentioned, I'm going to be starting a quilt next week as kind of a housewarming gift for a friend who just bought his first house. So I'm looking forward to that, starting a new pattern, something that I haven't done before. It's got a lot of curves and some some very technical quilting once I get it pieced. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a new challenge there. Um, but I'm, I'm constantly doing other projects as well. Um, I do a lot of paint by numbers in my spare time because it's mindless and it keeps me sane, um, but cross-stitching, all that too. So I, I have a lot of hobbies. Awesome. How about you, Dana? Well, I'm, I'm also a gardener. And so it's been, whenever the weather's good, I like to be outside when I can. Um, and that's also very good meditative time space. But I did start a quilt for my son and gonna it's using scraps because it's gonna be ocean themed with the sea turtle on it so he likes that because I was feeling a little guilty for all the time that I spent into it and then I have a really big quilt that's my newest art piece um that it has a quote um and the quote is the heart that breaks open can contain the universe and it's oh her name is failing me right now um but um the idea I think is very relevant in the time of COVID and all these uprisings and everything. And it's about how with our heart is the, is, is a strength, you know, with that vulnerability is strength. And I think that's some of the hardest strength to have. And I think for people who are making masks and taking other caregiving roles in their community, I think that's a really thing to lift up that feels really powerful to me and that it does wear on your soul and feel very tiring, but it's also very powerful and it's like allowing you to hold so much more. So I want to, uh, it's kind of a shout out to all the people who are, um, who are showing weakness and love and caring during these difficult times. Cause I think that's, um, that's really the way out the way through, you know, um, we, we want to being tough and 
acting tough, like you don't need to wear a mask is not helping. <laughs> so uh, being open and opening your heart is. So that's, that's a big, it'll be a queen size uh, quilt with this message in it. So that's my art piece. When you finish these quilts, um, send us a picture and we'll post yeah. it for our Grassroot Ohio audiences. Um, I also would like to ask you, what is the favorite mask that you've made? Um, for yourself. I mean, it could be for any reason. It could have a story behind it or the visual aspect of it. Do you have a favorite mask or mask experience? I'm not sure I would call it necessarily my favorite, but the most interesting mask that I've made recently is I made a mask for a first communion from the child's baptismal gown. So that was um, very interesting. Um, some tricky fabrics to work with and some uh, extra layers of, of cotton in between so it would be effective, but definitely an interesting project. I don't know if I have a, a favorite masks. I know it's been, I've mailed my masks all around the country and it's really just such a, it's such a fun little, people post their pictures online on social media and it's always a thrill to see one of the especially since i'm working with sheets so i tend to make a hundred masks that look exactly the same so <laughs> recognize them in photographs as they travel around and i've made some that are matching sets for mothers and kids or for parents so some selfies of the whole family with my masks on that's always fun to see and it must be wonderful to to realize that this work that you're volunteering, volunteering is actually protecting lives and has been protecting lives in Ohio. And it, for me, you guys are um, heroes, heroes. And um, taking a problem and uh, finding a tangible solution that you can do on your own time. And um, it's, to me, it's, uh, it's uh, heroic. And I so appreciate what you're doing I would like to know if there are any other groups that you know of locally or in Ohio or nationally that are doing what you're doing. Yeah, there, there are tons of other groups. Um, I think that the biggest one nationally that, that I'm aware of is um, Mass for Humanity. Um, they, they have a huge effort. Um, locally, there are other groups, but they're not necessarily just focused on sewing masks. So um, there's a Facebook group called Donate a Mask Cincy. Um, and some people are sewing, but others, you know, who have spare N95s laying around or, or you know, maybe in the construction industry and have, have that type of mask available can, can get connected with people who, who are in, in need. So there, there are definitely different ways to attack this, this problem. Um, and it's, it's really heartening to see so many groups around the country spring up to, to address it. Yeah, I, I saw that the Indigenous Environmental Network is looking to raise money to send masks to Brazil because the Indigenous population there is getting COVID apparently 150 times higher than the local, like the non-Indigenous population in Brazil. So that's an, that's an international effort that I thought was really um, compelling. I mean, they're not looking for sewn masks, but just for money to buy them because of the, the distance globally. So there are, there are also international outreach efforts. And that was one that just came through my email inbox yesterday that I thought was really, really compelling. Um, What's the name of that group again? The Indigenous Environmental Network, I-E-N, it's the acronym. Excellent they're taking donations right now. So there, there are those international efforts too to get to those underserved populations globally that are seeing this virus just like we are here. 
Well, that's our time today. Um, thank you so much, Allison and Dana, for joining Grassroot Ohio, for standing up and, and using your skill sets and your creativity for um, the good of humankind and, uh, and for our Ohioans. All right, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back. Come down, come down.